revision.io. Okay. So I'll give a quick explanation about how the, the round is structured, how the round is going to work. Um, I'm going to open the round by explaining a little bit, by setting uh, the framework, giving a little bit of the idea about uh, what the talk's going to be about. Um, everyone who's in the circle is welcome to make a contribution, to, to speak. Um, anyone who speaks can just give a little hand signal and come join me in the middle. Uh, we'll fill the middle until all the seats are taken. You're free to sit back on the outside whenever you like. You can also stay in the middle if you feel there's an active conversation that you'd like to contribute. Great, young and smart, that's, that's how we like them. Um, so, welcome. <laughs> My name's Adrian. Uh, I'm gonna be hosting our uh, somatic intelligence session uh, with the subtitle, uh, Lessons from Bodywork for Business uh, and Discourse. Um, the, the, the leading question for the, for the whole uh, summit uh, is this question around how to create a more human-centric society in the digital age. Um, as humans, of course, we are, in many ways, uh, our, 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 our body, our physical interface is, is one of our most immediate points of contact uh, with our environment, uh, with our social environment, with our physical environment. Uh, it's how we engage with each other. It's also a big part of how we prioritize the things that are important to us, uh, our physical uh, sensations, how it affects our emotional makeup, and it also ultimately affects uh, how we conduct ourselves on an intellectual level. It has a, a big contribution, uh, our, our physical feelings and our emotional feelings about the premises that we accept in a, in a, in a rational argument, uh, which, how we weight, how important an argument is. Uh, so also uh, a juxtaposition I'd like to make is this idea between um, feeling this, this notion that's quite dominant in the professional world that intellectual discourse is, is somehow neutral, is somehow uh, ultimate, and that all the things that are physical are somehow also emotional and very variable and very inconsistent, when actually uh, I'd like to draw a link over the course of the conversation that they're actually quite closely related. And by cutting out or by uh, isolating discourse to a purely intellectual level, uh, we end up creating a very uh, truncated uh, exchange. Um, when, of course, all the, the physical and emotional and spiritual aspects that are relevant for us individually reflect into the intellectual realm, but if there's no space to really address them, um, we, we, we end up in a very single-dimensional uh, conversation. A claim I'd like to make around this notion of somatic intelligence is uh, to, to illustrate, um, I want to assume that there's nobody here who can see their own face. Yeah? No? Our face is one of our most immediate interfaces of how people uh, identify us, associate with us, communicate with us, and still we can't see our own face without a tool. And of course we, we were very used to using tools, uh, whether it's water, whether it's mirror, whether it's even a description. Um, and what this point illustrates is that even some of the things that are, that are most fundamentally tied to us by our environment are things that we don't have access to ourselves without some kind of mediation. So the idea is that also in an intellectual discourse, there's a huge amount of, of aspects, of blind spots ultimately, that we can't access without some kind of tool to mirror us, that they're there, that they're affecting the conversation. And this is the, the main point of departure for me to uh, develop these somatic intelligence sessions. They're ultimately a selection and a, and a composition of games and exercises taken from massage body work, from dance, from acrobatics, from contact, from, and of course a lot of them overlap, from theater. And the idea, the idea is to make them a little more compact, make them a little more accessible for maybe also the environments where we behave intellectually, which is, you know, our, maybe our clothing is a little bit restricted, uh, maybe there's some social hierarchies, maybe it's more appropriate to have not such a close physical contact, uh, but there are ways to, to adjust these games and exercises uh, that they become more compatible. So to create a common point of departure, I'd like to invite you to, to play one or two of these games with me to, to structure the conversation a little bit. And to do so, I'd like to invite you all to find a stand come to your feet and just purely intuitively just based on someone that calls to you that you feel drawn to uh, see if you can pair up with someone you don't have to say anything to them just gesture somehow to pair up with them we can also leave the the circle we can just use this whole space just go ahead 
and partner up with someone, anyone. Feel free to maybe start walking a little bit, just moving around a little bit, and you'll kind of see who's partnered up and who isn't. And we'll just try to make it quite a swift process. If, we're, if there's a group of three in the end, that's also fine. Everyone's got a partner. If you see someone searching, they're available. It's a short exercise, so don't worry about getting stuck. And now maybe feel free to move out of the, outside of the, the, the circle of chairs just to have a little bit of space to move. We don't need a whole bunch, but just a little bit. And of course you can, ah, well, you, it's kind of difficult to say something. Oh, this is actually a great setup. <laughs> I didn't even think about this. Um, I'm gonna, I, I, I'll, I'll uh, uh, suggest some, some structuring thoughts and some, some explanations. Um, but we'll try to just do it as intuitively as possible. Um, whatever, whatever. even if there's like a question, just try to kind of move and go with, with what you understand from the explanation, and that'll just be how the exercise works. Um, before we get into the physical part of it, uh, just take a moment to observe the person across from you. And you don't have to say anything. Uh, it doesn't, there doesn't have to be any verbal expression. And just take a moment to arrive at some kind of, could be a really basic conclusion about, what do you think about them? What do you feel about them? It doesn't have to be like, ah, oh, they're like this, or this is where they're from, or this is who they are. Just, just what is your impression of them? Maybe there's not such a clear like verbal block or, 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 or list of adjectives, just some impression that you have of them. You can feel free to take a look at their body, to, to just look into their eyes, whatever, whatever feels like a good way to, to arrive at such a conclusion. You can be subtle, you can be obvious. We're very invited to be curious, so it's, it's okay to show that. And um, I would like you to, in a moment, compare how you feel about them now and how, you, how maybe this impression has changed uh, after the exercise. So this is where, where I'd like you to hold on to the thought. Whenever you're ready, you're going to arrange yourselves with one person leading and one person following. And the person who decides that they'll start, lead, uh, that they'll start following is going to raise their, their open palm in front of them. And the person leading is just going to use one fingertip to connect to their hand. And the only instruction is that you don't lose contact. So whether it's a pushing or a pulling or a guiding, you stay connected at the hand. And the person leading is just going to guide you through a little bit of intuitive motion and just exploring the space a little bit. As a, as a person following, you can have your eyes open or closed. I would encourage you to stay more present than not, but just to feel, just to feel how they're moving you. And you don't have to be worried about intention or what, what, what the purpose is. You're just exploring. You're exploring the connection with the person. You're exploring the space a little bit. Maybe you're exploring possibilities. So you go more for, for, for width. Maybe you're moving quite slowly. All of that is totally fine. And just take a few moments to explore a little bit. Feel free to look at what other people are doing, but you can also just perfectly stay with yourself. You can be more, more, more dynamic. You can be more, more compact in your movement. All of that is totally fine. And I'd just like to encourage just a little bit more that one person is leading and the person who's receiving is just is, 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 uh, the, 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 the follower is a little more in a receiving role, so not trying to take initiative. It can be quite fluent, but this, is, this should be the structure. And after you've explored a little bit, you can maybe come back to a, to a pausing position, to a halting position. You can put them in a, in a comfortable stance. And whenever you're ready, you can slowly disconnect. You can take a moment to, to, to ground or to arrive back in this, in this disconnected uh, scenario. And whenever you're ready, you're going to switch roles. If the, for the people that are in groups of three, maybe one of you won't uh, get to be the leader just because we have to keep it a little compact. But one, I would like at least one switch. And whenever you're ready, you can switch roles and play the same game. And then maybe as you're moving along, maybe there's just one thing you haven't done yet. Whatever that is. Maybe you notice, oh, we've been actually not moving our feet. Or our movement has mostly happened maybe on like chest level. Maybe I can move a little bit, or maybe I can add a little range, or maybe some movement behind the back, or whatever. Just some, some new element. And you can see it gets pretty interactive. 
And whenever you feel ready, maybe you have like a place or just like a, an, a, a final position you want to guide your partner to, slowly come to an end and find a place where you're ready to pause and to disconnect. And whenever you're ready, just find your, your own center again, coming to yourself. Just take a short moment to arrive with yourself. And when you feel ready, I'd like you just to take a moment with your partner. And again, you can, you, can, you can look at them. You don't have to look at them. But just tune in with what your impression was before and what your impression is now. And again, maybe, maybe there were some adjectives that are now added to the list. Maybe there's a lot of ways that this can have changed. Maybe it didn't change. Maybe you're like, ah, they, they behaved and they, they have the same energetic greed on them I did before. But just, just on the change of that feeling, maybe it doesn't have any words. And just for yourself to, to tune in with this idea, how, what your impression, how your feeling of the person was before you had this physical interaction, and how it is now. And when you feel like you've kind of arrived at, a, at, a, at some kind of conclusion, feel free to slowly find a spot back in the circle of chairs. Thanks so much for playing, you guys. And so this is one example. I actually had some more in mind, but you can see it, uh, it's, uh, it likes to take a lot of time. And uh, we're just going to try to keep it a little more compact. Um, but this is the kind of format where you can bring a lot of these uh, insights from um, physical movement into an intellectual discourse. And um, before going more deeply into the questions, I'd really invite you, and whoever would like to speak, feel free to come to the, to the center. There's a microphone right here. Um, if anyone would like to share the contrast of how they experienced what was going on. It doesn't have to be super elaborate, but just to share some thoughts about how you experienced the exercise. Um, yes, so my name is uh, Wukash. Um, my first uh, experience was um, that I tried to evaluate strongly. Um, I literally felt how went through all my filters and all the grids that I have. Um, and at the end, there was a, some kind of, um, yeah, some kind of feeling um, without any valuation. It was just a connection. That's how it felt. Awesome. And do you feel that, um, do you feel, and maybe you could say something about how you feel about how it affects maybe, do you feel it has an effect on how you interpret, how you receive maybe what that person would say? Or does it feel the same? Definitely, because um, if, if uh, the same person would have said something in the very beginning and the same sentence in the, at the end, at the end there would be a lot of trust. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, that a lot of trust without having spoken. Right. That's how it felt. Amazing. And this even after, like, this was maybe less than, less than 10 minutes for sure. So, so trust is a, is a big factor of something that happens very quickly when we're in, in this physical contact. Obviously. Was there, is there anyone else that would like to share an experience that they had? Uh, in the two different rounds, the three of us together, both of, uh, all three of us had both a pushing and a receiving. And it was hard to tell who was leading, and we were equally involved. It was very lovely. And then when we switched to the second round, I uh, gave myself as receiving from both parties, and the amount of physical force that was exerted on me was at least twice as much as in the first round. Uh-huh. And how would you say that affects how you would meet them maybe on an intellectual level, on a, on a conversational level? It probably reflects my, uh, my difficulties encountering large numbers of people. Mm-hmm. And just one, one more logistical thing. Whenever someone picks up the mic, feel free to, to say your name uh, so it'll be more easy to, to follow uh, on the recording. Uh, my name is Chris. Thank you. Uh, shall we stay in the, in the ring or shall we go back to... You can, you can stay as long in the ring, in the, <laughs> in the, ring, in the center <laughs> as, you, as you like. Um, and you're also free to, to sit back. You can stay if you feel like you want to okay. continue staying. Or feel free to, to find a seat on the outside if you like. Um, so already, some of the some of the things we heard around uh, how these physical exercises affect how we how we uh, how we 
exchange uh, intellectually uh, have, have been uh, very illustrating, like to say, <laughs> much of what I had in mind. Um, and the general the general idea I want to uh, integrate is, or uh, that I'd like to like to bring into the round uh, on a, on a discussion level is this notion of using um, physical tools, and there can be they can be they can be very varied. There can be there could be many different ways to do this uh, that affect and how they affect our our, our discourse. Um, I think someone was asking me the other day, you know, how do you how do you replace a verbal conversation with you know with dance or with a physical exercise? Uh, and I was uh, explaining that it's not about replacing, but it's about expanding. And it's about that when we have you know especially panels, conferences, these these long involved conversations around trying to figure something out or arriving somewhere, um, to have to kind of switch the language. Uh, and also to help uh, surpass language barrier and cultural barriers and adding and of course there are barriers and, 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 and borders in the physical realm as well but we still get a more complex image. How many, how many here have some kind of dedicated movement practice? Pretty much almost everyone. So something that you somehow study that you've developed. Um, I would love to hear if anyone um, how kind of what we're doing and this idea around um, bringing in movement practice into intellectual discourse, uh, how that relates to your own movement practice. How is that something that relates to, to how you move and how you do research and how you develop? I'm Joe. Uh, I've been... Uh, I've been dancing, contact, dancing and teaching contact improv for a long, long time, and um, contact one, improv. You said, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. One one thing that I've noticed is that, um, well, two things that I've noticed. One is that contact jams or classes are, um, or or the underscore, which is like a contact improv practice structured in certain ways, uh, are venues for me to experiment. experiment with uh, different ways of being, uh, being generous, being greedy, being uh, impulsive, uh, being calculating, having the whole picture of the room and so on. Uh, and it's not just that, but also different, uh, different setups in, in improvisation uh, lead different ways for me to be to fit more or less in the environment that I'm in. Um, and and these these are are relevant to something. Sometimes I come up with something in dance, which later I'm like, oh, actually, I want to be this with, way with my friends. Like, or I want to be more impulsive. I I tried being impulsive in a dance context. Now I want to be more impulsive in other parts of my life. But it may not fit in the other parts of my life because there may be certain games that I'm playing outside of dance, where that that the, the structure of the score maybe of my conversation with my friends, which may, maybe I have intellectual debates with my friends, let's say. And then being impulsive maybe doesn't work in that score. And so this gives me a kind of a sense of uh, deep structure to the games that we all play uh, about like uh, each game that we might play with our friends or whatever, whether it's a tacit game that's defined uh, you know, kind of intuitively like uh, intellectual debate or a very explicit improvisational score, each game allows different parts of us to come out. And this is, studying this has led me to uh, want to change games, many games outside of, out of, out of dance. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, my name is Nunu and Picking up on what Joe said about improvisation, I work with improvisational theater, uh, different kind of uh, approaches in theater with improvisation. And for me, what is so exciting and passionate about this, this, this kind of work is this exploration in ourselves, how to kind of get out of this um, process, decision, rational, logical way of being in contact with others and kind of go a little bit deeper in ourselves and be in touch with that impulse and what I find when I work for example in corporate in a corporate context 
with professionals in any uh, area is that uh, people are kind of stuck in a certain persona, in a certain way of how should I behave in this context and that kind of removes them from their authentic self. So in this kind of work, even in that context, when I, when I work in, in corporations and I kind of invite people to do this kind of um, connection with the impulse, it's really about how can we uh, reconnect with uh, our own creative self-expression that for many years was kind of blocked and it has so many filters before the impulse comes outside. And I think it's a very interesting work to, to improvisation really enables us to do this kind of uh, exploration. And going back to the exercise in the beginning, I feel it's, it's all about um, this principle of presence and active listening. In the beginning, I'm so much focused on the other person, making my own judgments, my own projections. And by the end, I'm more focused with myself and that really may, enables me to come out in a very more authentic way, not so much judging the other, making movies about who is this person in front of me. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Eva, and I had to push myself <laughs> to grab Thank you. The mic before any other man, because <laughs> they're fast. They're fast, have you noticed? And I'm like, okay, listening and attentive and embodied that. Huh. So um, in my practice, movement practice, or hey, <laughs> thank you. Um, <clears throat> In the mornings that I usually do, I, I involve lots of different movement modalities, sometimes yoga, sometimes qigong, sometimes meditation, sometimes I jog. The baseline is that I'm trying to tune in to what is it that I need. And that's also what I try to teach the people that I work with as clients, as somatic coach, because ultimately the body knows and we're so disconnected that we do ideas we follow oh i have to be fit or i i don't know need to push through right now and sometimes actually we need something slow that day or something active or and so really using the practice as a way of meeting myself is um yeah where i find the movement not just as a way of executing movement but as a way to amplify sensation and really bring me inwards into where i'm today and what is going on with me. Thank you. Hi, I'm Uta. I actually just uh, sat here to uh, make it easier for you to speak. <laughs> but um, there was something um, interesting earlier. Um, because for me it's very important uh, what attitude I, I have or, or I build uh, when I get into an intellectual debate or when there is a decision-making um, process and when I um, consider myself um, going through this process with a more playful mode, not with a just um, like very linear um, attitude to go to the, to the result. Um, and it helps me to to see the conversation as a dance, even if it is a, um, a tough um, a tough discussion. And um, if if just me, it's just I have a have an approach that it is whatever comes to me is a dance, and I can receive it and and play it back. Then it's a lot um, easier for me to also listen to the other person's um, argument or perspective. And um, so. The idea of, of dancing or going uh, with a move, if it's internally or externally, helps me a lot. So it's um, also what you said, it's not just um, executive uh, movement on the outside or with my whole body. It's also to be aware of my inner movement of motions and, and discomfort or comfort to um, really listen and to get into resonance what the other person is saying. Um, and in the very beginning, when, when we did the, um, the contact work, 
for me it's also very interesting in business context to um, to set the container straight because here we are all like common sense nobody's gonna harass anybody or, or use or take advantage of a certain um, situation but I think it's uh, it's more difficult when you're in a in a work environment where you have um, hierarchies or rankings and so it's even more important to um, to set a certain tone of voice when you start people to guide people into into contact and to really um, open up uh, for the other person. Absolutely. Um, hi, my name is Julia. I'm a psychotherapist, and talking about connect, being connected and disconnected, I was wondering if in times where we connect with everybody and everything, if uh, we stay disconnected from ourselves. And it's a great idea to feel connected to yourself, but how can we do it? Like, how can we uh, work on it if we don't take time? And in nowadays, we want to be better and faster and everywhere and do everything, and we don't take time to connect with ourselves. So it's a great idea to connect and uh, coming now to also being a coach in cooperatives I have the feeling that uh, connection to uh, somebody means also to being vulnerable and that it's really hard for us to show it especially uh, in organizations and in uh, times when we want to uh, when we want people to see us as uh, very how you say, serious or in intellectual. So, yeah, I want to ask you, if do you have ideas? How we, can we combine being vulnerable and at the same time look professional or serious? Is it something that goes together or not? So, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I'm Chris again. Uh, I, I hope that it's okay that I'm not actually going to respond to your question. Um, I'm a, I teach partner acrobatics and I lead a Burning Man camp that's based on movement and I wanted to respond to what you said, Ava. And we'll come back to Julia's question in just a moment. Mm -hmm. um, I just wanted to say, I, um, many years ago I discovered this thing called neuro-linguistic programming, which I, I don't do a lot of, but there was an exercise in this which I found really illuminative. Um, you... Um, you, you find a random person on the street and you begin pacing them. So when they step with their right foot, you step with your right foot. When they step with their left foot, you step with your left foot. Um, and you match their pace. And the idea is that um, over time, they will become aware of you. It's like you sink into them. And um, the, the idea is that sometimes you can do it right next to someone and they will notice it right away, but you can also do it many feet away, uh, up to like a block away, and eventually they will notice that they are being, that they are being uh, followed because of this pacing that you were doing. And I find it really uh, an illustrative tool for my teaching of partner acrobatics and, and the, uh, the contact and the dance and all the various movement modalities that I'm involved in is that you, you must be really um, aware of the pacing of the people around you as to reflect what you're talking about is if you're in a, in a place where everyone is fast and you are slow, they will notice you right away. But if, some, if, if, you want to, if you want to change the energy in a space, you begin paying more attention to the way that other people around you are moving. And uh, I just think it's a very useful tool for per perhaps in the, the point that you asked. It affects my practice greatly, both in practice and in teaching. And I think it's really useful in a business environment from my, my years involved in business. If, if I walk in a room and I'm full of energy and everyone else in there is being very cautious, um, I'm going to get much more done with them if I'm emphatically cautious with them and help them lead towards a more energetic space rather than coming in and imposing my energy on them. Uh, so I just wanted to share that. Thank you. So I'd love to take a, a quick moment to respond to Julia's question. Is there something direct that wants to be said to that? Okay. Yeah, yeah I wanted to respond to the um, vulnerability 
aspect in business life because mm -hmm. um, I think it's very important to pair vulnerability with spaciousness because um, it's very much needed in business contact, I think especially for women. Um, because if you show your vulnerability to a certain argument or something, when you show that you're really um, hurt by, by a certain action or something, then the other one can see and understand. And maybe th uh, he or she didn't do it on, on purpose, but it's good to see the result of your action. And when everybody's hiding or covering or like um, even resist the strongest bullying from some boss or whatever, then uh, the, the culture in the, in the, um, the room or, or within the company will never change. So I think it's really, really um, important to show vulnerability and it also needs an, a lot of um, yeah, a lot of um, strength to actually show it and to stay in it and not just um, hide it and consider it as weak because your vulnerability is your, is your strength. And um, yeah, for me, it's very important that it's not just vulnerability so everybody can step off you because you or can step on your argument because you're very sensitive and anything. But if you develop um, um, yeah, some root of spaciousness, if you can also tolerate that somebody um, has a different approach to a topic or whatever, um, it's, also, um, it's also needed to stay alive. And, um, and it's, there's also something, if you set a tone of voice or a tonality to a discussion or into a business culture that is led by allowing vulnerability, so the container is, is going to collect completely different uh, exchange and uh, conversation. So I think it's, it's super important to speak up for vulnerability because that means that you're actually present with your heart. You're not just like, like uh, any robot just being present and don't feel anything. So and um, especially to connect and to also understand it's important to see the other one's borders. Yeah, I would just like to, my name is Sarah, hello. Um, I think that's really great what you say. And in, in a world today where we have so much difficulty, so much uh, sadness and disgust going on, and, and in the business world, the way they run it, in the economic world is actually running all of that. I mean, we know that, right? So because we're born, I think, from this suffering, and we can talk about we're born out of earthly desires. I mean, I, I practice Buddhism, so maybe that's a little bit, a lot, and maybe that's too much to open the discussion now. But um, as a as a as an artist, as a dancer, I know that my body is going to be the most authentic way to to express myself um, and to express whatever it is that I need to on stage. Um, so this vulnerability is very close to me, but it can be close to everyone because we all suffer, we all feel, we all do that. So thank you very much for that. I I think that. Um, Putting this, 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 for example, this revision summit together with, with people that, that use their body for a living also with the business world, I'd like to actually tap onto that subject a lot more if we can. So maybe yeah, you want to respond. Oh, I, I had a thing to say. It's a, what's your name? Sorry? Yulia. Um, which is, I, I have a game uh, that I've played uh, uh, maybe a few hundred times at places like Facebook and Microsoft, really big companies, um, that uh, I think in terms of cracking professionalism, like ending it within a, a group or a team or a, a kind of structure, it, it works really well. And I'll, I'll mention at the end when it doesn't work, because it also doesn't work sometimes. But the game is called Out of Character. And, and the, way, the way you play it is that you write about how you want to be seen by your colleagues, and then what the scary opposite of that is. So if you write, you write about like you want to be seen as organized, so you're afraid of being seen as crazy or fake or something, right? And then you act crazy and fake with each other. So you, it's like a role-playing game kind of where you, you kind of agree for a while that you're just going to be crazy and fake and everybody's going to be the way they're afraid, to, they're most afraid to be seen by their colleagues. Um, so uh, I, like I said, I, this game works a lot and it permanently changes team dynamics. Um, but it doesn't always work, and times when it doesn't work are situations where there's a structure that makes playing this game kind of impossible for people. For instance, if somebody's going to hire or fire them, 
uh, this is a scary situation in which to be crazy and fake or whatever, right? Um, and so I'm also very interested in uh, how to change that. And one, there's been many, it would take way too long to go into all the different ways that, that needs to change. But one way uh, that we did at Microsoft is by having people talk much more about the conditions of meaningless under, meaninglessness under which they would quit their jobs. So um, if everybody knows why everybody else would quit their job, then you have a situation of much more equality um, and a situation where it's easier to try on non-professional. Does that make sense? So that's all I have. Absolutely. So and just in summary, and this is much of what I had in mind to say, is exactly reducing fear by creating like a level playing ground, uh, creating vulnerability in a managed space where uh, you create, where for example, a coach comes in and creates a, a safe container to say, this won't have consequence. Or the way that we can reduce consequence is to just make tiny little steps that are manageable uh, so we can get into a more connected space with ourselves and with the others. Uh, my name is Ruby and I'm feeling weirdly disembodied sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> in this yeah, setting. I'm going to try and speak. I felt inspired to share after what you said. Um, you know, culturally, we are in the dark ages in so many ways, our relationship to being human and what that means. And I'm seeing that as we begin to crack and become more vulnerable, we have this deep longing to be in safe spaces and to have that met with tenderness. And I think it's really important but I think what we don't value as much is how important it is to exercise that muscle that we all have to hold ourselves in our vulnerability and to really, uh, yeah, feel our resilience that we're going to get knocked around and we're going to cry and it's going to be seen as weakness or we're going to allow something to penetrate us and touch us and it's going to be seen as not cool, not appropriate and to keep standing up and be like, this is the culture that I want to be part of creating in the world. And that kind of brings me to why I'm sitting here and what my heart beats for and what I'm inspired is to like come more and more into the body, not because it makes us feel better so we can continue in our shitty nine to five jobs and continue perpetuating these systems. But the more we come into our bodies, the more we come into contact with our needs. Yeah. And we have a need to feel connected to the earth. We have a need to really be real with each other. We have a need to like be in a planet where life is thriving around us. And I feel like the more we come into our bodies, it's, it's a painful realization to see that the kind of spaces, the kind, yeah, what we're creating. Um, so yeah, at my heart, I'm, I'm an activist. I'm, I want to like encourage this culture of coming more into the body, um, to fuck this system. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's Nuno again. Um, and still picking up on your question, I think it brings a lot. Um, for many, many, many decades and centuries, we have lived on this paradigm that uh, mind over body. And there's this duality. And fortunately, uh, all of us have felt we have felt uh, because we most of us have, have raised our hands uh, saying we practice different movement approaches so we feel that there is no separation there is not this duality there is a, a psychophysical experience of our reality and fortunately even now science is bringing this uh, into the, the field we know now that even the feeling of awareness this feeling of existence I am comes from the bottom up from the body to the mind and even from the reptilian brain to the frontal neurocortex. So this sentence that we all know from Descartes, uh, I think, therefore I am, it, it's not real. It's I feel, therefore I am. And uh, what you just said, I, I totally agree, but I don't know if it's about fucking the system but it's more about maybe embracing the system because the system needs to feel that this is needed, you know? The system needs a hug. It needs a hug. <laughs> in the sense, just in the sense that when I started to, to, to be invited to go into corporations to do my work, I had so much resistance because I felt I will need to change my, my speech and my way of being there so much that I will lose my identity. 
I will be fucked by the system. But my experience shows me again and again and again in any corporate context that people are eager to feel this. They are eager to feel themselves. They are eager to feel the people they are working with. Maybe people that they're they are working with for the last 20 years, but to connect in a more authentic way. For me, so for me, what, what can bring the change is really to work with the team leaders, to work with the directors. Because the system, it's all about making money, profits. Okay, you're going to bring your work here, but how much more will I sell? How much more will my sales team uh, sell this next year? And I cannot give them an answer. But I invite them to be in my workshops, in my trainings. And then they feel the difference. And they, not, they cannot quantify it, but they can, they, it's a qualitative experience. And from my experience... I feel that then when the directors, when the team leaders, when the decision makers, that people are in the trainings and they experience, again, it's about experiencing, then a change happens. And it's little by little, drop by drop. Yeah, I'd like to, um, to respond also to the question, this is actually what brought me here, is um, how do I implement somatic techniques or awareness into the business world because like this whole conference is about that we are moving into digital age and uh, somebody is talking still about human-centered um, purpose business design um, and we're still excluding um, the nature aspect we're still putting ourselves into the center and we did it like um, hundred years ago also so it's it's it needs a different approach and um, I was actually curious to come here and to see how are people who are just using their minds to create, how do they um, open to this, um, to this other intelligence? And there, there's just one phrase to convince um, people who think uh, the mind is uh, so fast and it's all about um, going digital and everything, but to stay healthy in a digital world is really important to, to stay and to cultivate a healthy relationship with your body and with the earth also. And, and there's one uh, trigger, like intuition is faster than mind and, um, and like natural intelligence is so much more than crunching uh, ones and zeros and digital um, intelligence is, will always be so much slower than, um, than spirit intelligence. And so um, if, if it comes to, uh, to justify why your team needs somatic experience or why it needs body experience, it's just um, to stay healthy and to stay healthy in the long run and also to... Um, to be connected to the greater intelligence, not just our mind's intelligence. So, yeah. Also, to take care of the world. I mean, the it's it's really exciting to share all this together. And I want to add just two things that popped up, which is selling this connection to the body to companies and while it's why why it's important and the question of um, profit maximization and i think because we're so disconnected from the body we don't know what's enough because when we tune in we stop eating when we're full we 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 know that there is a limit that we don't need it to go endlessly on and on and on there is a satisfaction that happens that I think is crucial to relearn again um, and also what you already said I don't know now there's so many things buzzing around that when we talk about involving the body it's not just the the physical experience of this is the machine that ha holds our head up and maybe contains our soul but it's an integrated part of all of these aspects together and it's not just us only, but it's nature together. Like that when we connect to our body, we know that we are bigger, that we're connected to an earth body that has its, its own logic. And that as we have practiced this embodiment for quite a while, it is this yeah, practice of coming home. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, now I know how I started my, why I wanted to 
step in here was that the body in itself is also a great tool to practice how to become resilient again. So when we wonder about vulnerability and how to hold this excitement and this feeling a little edgy, it's that grounding ourselves in this experience, again, it's drop by drop, is allowing us to actually stand this being uncomfortable. And I think we need that because we try to be in control all the time and, and the world is not in control. It's like flowing and moving. And so if we're trying to like put it into narrow boxes and hold it tight, um, w which is what we've been trying to do, it's just more difficult to allow things to change. And I think that in business these days, so many people are wondering how to... Um, yeah, move on with changes and how to follow the disruption and um, it needs for people and organizations to be able to be disrupted. And so this is where the body really allows to hold this weird place of not knowing and being slightly ooh, in a new place. My name is Maren. I'll do the trick. Um, and I mostly like to kind of give this discussion, this conversation a bit of a turn because I feel like there's a lot of us and them, body and mind now. And in the beginning, we were closer to wh where, does, where do the two come together? I'm a critical thinking trainer and you might think, okay, we're all up here in the head. And actually, that's, uh, that's one of the assumptions people have about critical thinking that I have to work against a lot, that I say, no, it's about, um, it's about how we conceive the world. We actively um, reflect how our perspective, what comes in, how we judge it, what we do with it, how, what, what, what we put out again. And this for me is not on, only about the mind, but it's also just as much about the body. So, and I'd be interested in maybe um, some of you have um, other examples about where, where the body and mind are not separated. Is, is separated, but where, where they're very close together, because I think that might be the interesting entry points for people that think in the division between body and mind to, to kind of make them feel that it's actually not two worlds, which is what I think. On that note, real quick, I think uh, and this is something that uh, Ruby was starting to say, is that through our body practice, because um, our body is in a way a much more immediate uh, form of, of expression, it's how we feel, it's where our desires are based, to to speak in a very literal way. And a big mm, idea and a, and a perspective where I come from as well is that through this body practice we can tune in with our emotional desires, with our intellectual desires, with our physical needs and desires. And also uh, that this uh, in tuneness brings a clarity around our needs, uh, around our wishes, and this allows us to also arrive more easily at satisfaction because we actually are working on what is it that I want, not what do I have to do to fit my CV into the requirements of some production scheme or of some company, but uh, only when I understand what's important to me and what I'm able of and what I'm sustainably able of and, and, and want to do, can I arrive in a place of, of, of happiness, of joy, of, of subjective well-being, to use a more scientific term, if you will, and then all the other areas come more into flow, is the idea. So... Um, and this is also, again, what you're saying, I see them also as very, as, as, as ultimately very connected to the mind, the heart, the body, uh, the soul, ultimately. Uh, and it's more that this isolationary practice that we have often in business uh, would do well with being brought into a more multidimensional space. And, and I absolutely agree. It's, it's not separate at all. It's more about helping people who are caught in a, in a monodimensional culture to, to recognize and allow space for the expression of those uh, of that togetherness and of that oneness, really. I'm just gonna... Hi, I'm Kareth. Uh, for the very first exercise, one of the things that I thought was super weird was that we didn't shake hands. Where are you, Nuo? Hi. <laughs> we didn't shake hands, which of course is a physical ritual of the business world that is very let's say, normalized in how people deal with each other. When you learn, get to know someone, you shake hands. Sometimes in other 
other corners of the world you might kiss each other on both cheeks or three cheeks or however many cheeks you want to but like this is a greeting and this is a somatic practice this is a ritualized practice that someone who is way up in their head is still going to be able to identify as a very corporeal thing because I'm offering my touch it's being reciprocated I can't shake hands with you if you don't shake back which is of course what what is actually being identified there um, so I think there's like a lot of things that happen in the rituals of business practice that allow us to look in any kind of environment and say, look, your, your mental pathways are being defined by the way that you move through space and through this space. But what I also wanted to say is that there is, every one of us is the result of radical contingency. It's totally random and this, sense I kind of disagree with this whole like find your authentic self but I mean if it's working for you go for it but like what we do and how we navigate through our world is the result of you know a thousand years of accidents happening all the time and unfortunately this monodimensionality that you just talked about some people think that oh it's just supposed to be like that and I think if you do the same thing for many years in the same way you're always going to feel like this is the way things should be done. So what is the opportunity of somatic practices in the business world or intellectual rhetorics in the somatic world is the opportunity to give people a palette of tools to think about what they're doing, how they're moving through their daily life, to realize that because we all have, we are all accidents in a way, we can find a common ground in that. And by expanding our awareness, by expanding our tools for dealing with the world, we can become more, I don't know, we can become, you know? Th and that's, I think, the whole point of, of infusing any sort of closed world with outside views. Absolutely, thank you so much. We're going to have to make that the, the final comment, which has already got pointed out at the, the, the end of the session. Um, of course, there was so much more to say, so many open questions. This could go on for a whole while. Um, I'm very interested personally in connecting with as many of you as possible, get some more details about your views, about your work. Um, I'm also really in the middle of the process of developing the concrete sessions and expanding what they are uh, in terms of creating a concrete approach and interface uh, of getting inspiration from all the different movement and body practices, uh, how to go into businesses, how to meet the different business cultures. Of course, uh, some, some structures are, are more welcoming towards uh, inspiration than others. Um, so I'd really love to, to exchange uh, with you myself and facilitate as much. Uh, I also have a, a, a little Facebook group uh, to allow anyone who would like to exchange more uh, beyond this meeting here on the topic. So uh, if that's something you'd like to continue, please come find me. Um, in a moment, and uh, we will facilitate that for the future. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining. Many thanks, and uh, I look forward to talking to you some more.